Welcome to the Church Leadership Podcast, your weekly source for encouraging and equipping local church leaders with your hosts, Mark Ganey and Andy Frazier. In each episode, Andy and Mark sit down with church leaders that you should know. We believe these honest conversations will be helpful and encouraging to you as you lead the local church. Here is this week's episode. Welcome to episode number 99 of the Church Leadership Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us for today's podcast. And uh, we've already been talking with our guest a little bit, and he agreed. We're going to party like it's episode 99. One before 100. That's right. So uh, before we get to our conversation today, I just want to remind you uh, of our mission. First of all, our mission is to encourage and equip local church leaders to lead in their context. And so Uh, That's what today's episode is going to be about as well. I want to remind you to subscribe to our podcast, whether it's on YouTube, you're watching it, or whether it's on your favorite podcast listening app, and rate our podcast. That helps get the word out, believe it or not. You can do that really easily at ratethispodcast.com slash CLP. Now, here is our conversation for episode 99. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us, uh, all of the listeners and those who are watching who are returning and uh, speaking of returning, we have a return guest today. We have Dean and Sarah. Uh, you can go back and listen to episode 88. We got to talk with Dean about some interesting things, and we'll probably touch on a couple of those today and dive deeper into something that we kind of touched on at the end of that episode that we felt like Dean needed to come back and talk with us about today. But uh, Dean serves as the lead pastor of City Church in Tallahassee. He is author of The Unsaved Christian and a book also called Without a Doubt. Uh, how to know for certain that you're good with God. And he's got a couple other books and works coming out pretty soon. We're going to probably introduce you to the ideas behind some of that. And uh, we're glad to have you on the podcast with us today, Dean. Hey, it's good to be back. Episode 99. Let's go. Bring it. <laughs> 99. You know, it's always good when we have a guest back on the second time, because it, it just really just validates uh us a little bit because you know we're not in the same room so we don't know if we smell or not but at least we're not so repulsive that you just won't even come back on the podcast so that's always good yeah well and i'm not as as on edge i I can trust you guys now i'm not trying to show off or win your (laughs) approval or anything like that i can relax a little bit yeah you can joke and and uh, talk about sports and those kind of things and we we won't we won't be mad at all so that's right that's right well we're gonna we're really gonna dive right in kind of dovetailing off of our last conversation, Dean. Um, and we started talking about culture and, you know, that was before the election and uh, now we're post-election and we're in 2021 and the cultural divide still exists. And uh, it's probably even as great or if not greater than it was before the election. So I guess as, as a pastor and as a leader, what I want to start out by asking is how in the world do we navigate as leaders in the middle of this incredible cultural divide? Yeah, well, it's extremely difficult, but we didn't sign up for easy, right? It's part of our job. Maybe, maybe we've been on cruise control for too long, mm. you know, where we weren't challenging the real idols of our society when we were uh, just kind of going Sunday to Sunday and just, you know, getting through your book of the Bible and, you know, and, and that's it. Uh, so I think it begins with us opening our mouths and being unafraid to talk about what's going on right now. And I, I think a lot of people are just afraid to, but pastors, if we're not going to be the ones talking about it, who's going to, well, it's already been answered. It's going to be the media. It's going to be, uh-huh. you know, social media pundits. It's going to be, you know, self-proclaimed experts, you know, blue check mark people, all, all those type of things. And we've seen the results of that when people are getting their 
I guess, worldview shaping information uh, uh, from places that aren't the scriptures or their local church. Uh, I also think uh, that we are seeing what happens when extra biblical things take precedent over the faith. Uh, so what are people dividing over right now? They're not dividing over the scriptures. That's not what people are fighting over in our churches right now. You know, they're not fighting over the mission. They're not, they're not fighting over, you know, church planting. You know, they're fighting over politics. They're dividing over those type of things. They're making things ultimate that aren't. But they, what makes it, makes it really complicated, and here's the actually answer the question about what do we do. They really think they're doing the right spiritual Christian duty. That's what they think is happening. Like, I've never met a Christian in my entire life who would admit that politics has become an idol for them. They wouldn't do that. It may seem not an idol. Maybe they're just approaching it the wrong way. And they think that it's our ultimate mission as a church is to go win, you know, your side, whatever it might be. And I think we've got to just bring people back. We can't do it unless we talk about it. Like we have to really kind of poke people's idols uh, to use that idea. And it's going to hurt a little bit. So I think it begins by opening our mouths. We've got to lead this from the pulpit. We have to talk about what's going on in our culture right now. Yeah, I believe uh, uh, somebody said about f- a little over 500 years ago that the human heart is an idol factory. So, I mean, we're all the yeah. time trying to sure. uh, to come up with something to take the place of ultimately who God is and who he should be and what he has done for us in our lives. And right now, it is a glaring, obvious thing right now what, what our idols are, or it should be, but it's not. So how, how would you, you suggest that we, as church leaders, maybe deal with with us putting too much of a priority on things that should be secondary or tertiary, you know, how, how do we keep the gospel central in a, a, a political climate in a culture that's, that's heated and divisive? How do we, how do we kind of keep things on track and keep our people on track, especially uh, if, if you're like me, I'm, a lot of churches and, and pastors are dealing with one or a few people in your church who are just really vocal and verbal. Uh, um, not in my church, there's not a, a bully per se, but there are people on social media who are, are Christians and who almost are pushy, not almost, but they are pushy about their political agenda. And if you don't agree with them, you're wrong. Or if you don't agree with them, you're, you're not a Christian. How do we deal graciously and lovingly with those people in our lives and especially in our churches? Well, some of those folks, most of them are going to wind up leaving your church eventually. That's what we're seeing happen. Uh, they're going to, you know, go down screaming that you just don't get it, that it's not that it's an idol for them. It's, it's, it is, you know, it's a spiritual issue and they're going to show their true colors by walking out the door, not because you changed the color of the carpet or because you took away their favorite program, because you didn't line up with their Trumpism or you weren't progressive enough or, or whatever it might be. And you mentioned 500 years ago. Yeah, I guess what was happening 500 years ago, there was some fighting going on in the church, right? Uh, so, but they were over theological issues and not nitpicky stuff. They're over what we would call gospel issues, but that can be an overused and over, I, I guess, uh, titled kind of phrase sometimes nowadays. We talk about everything being a gospel issue, uh, but how justification takes place is definitely a gospel issue, yes. right? So that there are certain things that are worth dividing, for, dividing over. You know, when Jesus prayed in John 17 for the believers to be united, at the same time, he said, your word is truth. Sanctify them in your truth. So he wasn't praying for unity for the sake of unity. And he, unity actually has an object. It has an actual center that we actually want to unite around. And our world loves the word unity. But what I mean by that is agree with my progressive politics, right? That's what unity means nowadays. Uh, we think unity has an object, and his name is Jesus, right? So, so I think that those things are worth fighting for. I mean, Paul took out his pen 
and wrote to the Galatian church and obliterated them. You have views very divisive because there were true gospel issues going on about how one is saved. Uh, so I think that we have to make sure we're clear on what we think is a gospel issue and what is not. And there are certain things in our church we're going we're gonna to go after and certain things we're not. And if you want us to be a talking point for your political party, if you want our church uh, to take on every pet issue that you have, I'm sorry, this is the wrong place for you. We're not going to do that here. Now, our hope for you is that, you, that you're a part of our church family and that you get it. And, when, and also, uh, the witness of our church matters. So I don't want someone who calls City Church their home to first be known as a conspiracy theorist on Facebook. I don't, that, that, makes our, that makes not just our church look bad, but it's a, it's a detriment to the name of Jesus right. in our community. How many people right now, when they think Christianity, they think Trump supporter? Mm. That doesn't mean there aren't a lot of Christians. I'm not talking about who you voted for. You vote for whoever your conscience says to vote for. I will never make somebody feel bad uh, or feel guilty about voting for a certain candidate that they believe best reflects how they want this country to look. I'm not talking about voting. I'm talking about this, un, this, this, this unapologetic allegiance to someone. Uh, that, that allows them to lose friendships, not speak to people anymore, to leave churches. We had a family leave our church because I was outspoken about what happened at the Capitol hmm. uh, on the famous Wednesday where the Capitol, where the Capitol was invaded, right? They left a the church over it because, oh, that was Antifa. And, you know, you're just buying into progressive language and left-wing media. And I'm like, you know, I, I mean, someone just got to go, okay. You know, like, like that, I know that's not true. 99% of our church knows that's not true. Peace. You know, I mean, we'd be willing to do that. You know, and they were very large givers, to be honest, too. So there is a cost to them leaving from a, I guess you could say, worldly standpoint of, oh, we have to make them happy because of this. We got to go there, man. I'm not trying to like a broken record, but I think we're just not going there enough. We got to go, here's who we are. This is what we're about. You know, some, you know, Paul, when he went after the first Corinthian church and told them they were being immature in the very beginning of, of first Corinthians, what were they fighting about? Human leaders. Mm -hmm. that, that was the issue. And he called them immature for it. And he says, this is an issue. We have to talk about this. I can't talk to you like a mature believer. Like mm -hmm. I, I can't give you solid food. I have to give you milk still because you're still not mature. And what's the example he gives? Human leader divisiveness. Mm -hmm. It's killing the church. And it makes no sense for the global church. We look so different than our Christians around the world because we're going all in over this type of thing. I mean, how someone feels about Donald Trump should not be a deciding factor in fellowship or what church you join. It's just ridiculous. For or against. That's great. That's a great word. I don't have opinions about this if you can't tell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and dude, dude it's, it's killing. Bro, it's killing us, man. It's killing churches. I mean, I don't even realize it because there's people out there going, they think of church. They think politics first. And here's what's sad. They're not wrong mm. because our members and pastors are, are proving them right over and over again. Now, most people in our churches are fine. They're just trying to figure it out. They're just going, man, I have a vote. It's, you know, I have basically two people to pick from and I have my opinions and I have issues I care about. So I'm voting for this person because of that. Hey, that's, that, that's, we're, we're going to wrestle that the rest of our voting lives. <laughs> right? That's just part of being right. in a world that's not our own, right? For, as Christians, exactly it's right. always going to be a struggle. But the people that are all in, it's, it's really troubling. Well, so let me, let me flip the page a little bit around this issue. So at the same time, obviously, we do have to address those things, just like you said. But we, we have to make sure we're addressing the idols and, and you know, the issues that really matter, the unifying issues, just like you said. 
at the same time, you know, there are some issues that I think most of us would consider um, gospel issues, or at least that the gospel informs these issues that are loud and clear center stage right now in our culture, um, race, gender identity, those kind of things that I believe the Bible has a lot to say about. And so what I want to ask is, for instance, I'll just, I'll just use my church as an example. We've got a lot of younger families and younger people that have a very different perspective and very different viewpoint than maybe the generations before them. And so how, how would a pastor and a leader address those issues biblically in a way that's not, hey, this is what we stand for. Get out if you don't agree. Now, I'm not, you know, obviously, Jesus uh, Christ would be that issue that we stand on that, that hill and we die. Yeah. But, but those issues that the gospel does inform, that the Bible does address, but how do we address that with grace and love, with, especially with these generations that, that just have never heard that perspective? Yeah, that's a good question. It's really important to actually process through, you know, and that, I think that's a, a months long journey for a church leadership team, you know, for elders or for small group leadership or to, to work through that. And I think it's worth the time to put into those type of things. I think we need to be clear about if we're going to be people who believe in the sufficiency of scripture, not just the inerrancy, but the sufficiency of scripture, then we need to be okay with being open handed where the Bible's open handed. And be able to teach people where the Bible's closed fisted and explain why. You know, so when it comes to gender, the Bible does not make exceptions because you know somebody who is really nice and sweet and they have a kid who is questioning their gender. The Bible doesn't go, oh, let's make an exception clause to that person. God didn't really make them male and female. It's just, and I'm not even trying to be sarcastic. People don't put any thought into it. It's simply emotion a lot of times. Or if it's your own family, let's, let's be sympathetic. That's going to be heavy. I mean, very heavy for people, but we've also gotten away from the cost of discipleship where Jesus said, if you love your own family more than me, you can't be my disciple. So how do we teach deep compassion for people who are in those situations at the same time, call them to something even greater, which is following Christ that causes us to pick up our cross. We're just so far removed from that, you know, as American Christians living in the suburbs, you know, we're just so far removed from any cost, you know, to, to really be a Christian besides somebody being mad at you on social media or something along those lines. And so I think, we can help people, especially a younger generation, to see the difference. Like, hey, we're going to build credibility with you because we're not going to die on hills or preach absolutes. Where the Bible isn't absolute, we're going to let the Bible be the Bible. And areas where the Bible is clear, we're not going to budge out of love for God, most importantly, and love for our neighbor, number two. And what we have to realize is it's never okay to break the first most important commandment in the name of the second. Mm. Here's what I mean by that. Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he actually told us, he said, this is the number one gold medal, like Tom Brady of commandments. Okay. Love God, right? Love the Lord God by your heart's right. Love God. That's number one. And he said, okay, there's a silver medal. It's not the most important, but it's extremely important. And here's what it is. Love your neighbor. Mm. These are the two greatest commandments. If we think that, it's more important in our own eyes to keep number two by pretending like homosexuality is fine, um, by pretending there's space and grace for transgenderism, you know, for all those type of things. What we're doing is we're violating the first commandment, thinking we're keeping the second. Because God said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So hopefully, since we've been shown so much grace in Christ, we will show grace to others while at the same time not compromising. 
So I think we need to have in our churches more forums. We call them equip classes at our church where we actually sit down and we have people that can speak to these things with knowledge and with grace to talk about, talk about gender, to talk about real issues. So at the same time, where credibility happens, if you're allowed on gender and sexuality, but quiet on race, quiet on race issues, you know, people are going to go, what's the deal here? You know, if you're someone on Facebook that goes off on refugees and immigration, but are allowed about bathrooms, they're going to look at you and go, what's going I'm, I'm confused here. And I think we got to be really consistent on these type of things. If you, so I think that's, we got to evaluate too and see, you know, where are we on these things? Or are we showing a younger generation that our talking points are talking points from the Bible, not from a Republican platform that just looks at certain issues. The, the, like the, the merger of the two of Christianity and Republicanism has been very detrimental to the church. Very. And we can't underestimate how much it has. You keep using that word church. And yeah. this is the church leadership podcast. And we do talk about issues in the local church. And we want to encourage and equip leaders in the local church. Right now with uh, cancel culture and politics and dealing with uh, pandemic restrictions and how people differ on those. I mean, you're talking about gender issues and so many things right now are, are not just topics that we can ad- agree to disagree on, but there is this huge continued divide. And we believe right now more than ever that we need the local church, not just as salt and light in the world, but we need the local church as a believer. We need the body of, of Christ to help us. How important is it for us to stress right now in the middle of everything that's going on? How important it is to be plugged in, to be part of a local church where we can receive this correct doctrine with, with honesty, but also with grace and, and have other people around us to, to help walk with us through all of this crazy mess that's going on. Well, do you find it interesting that when these major divisive things really came to the surface is when our churches weren't meeting? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, when, when did the, the race conversation go to new levels? I mean, like different levels than we've ever seen before in our modern day uh, in terms of social media. When did politics get more divisive than ever? All when most people were, were home. They weren't a part of their churches. They weren't seeing people face to face. They were just behind their screens. And look, look what's happened. I'm not saying that's solely to blame, but that's not a coincidence. Mm-hmm. That when churches were apart is when a lot of this stuff among Christians. Now, the world being divided, I don't care at all about that. They're supposed to be divided, right? They're, they're gods are themselves, right? The church being divided is what I'm talking about. So I think that the we need to always bring back in our teaching and in our conversation the significance of the church. We beat it like a dead horse here. I don't even know what that analogy means, but that's what we do. I don't even know if we got that from a dead horse, but I don't know. Somebody can, <laughs> uh, somebody can email the show and tell us. But, um, yeah. but, but, but I think, so I want to go back in time like I want to get in like Doc Brown and Marty McFly's time machine. And I want to go back in time to whoever was the first person that said, you don't go to church. We are the church and take out their knees. Okay. Like I, I do. I just want to take, take out their knees and, um, or muzzle them or chop their tongue off. I'm kidding. Or, or just, you know, something. Where do we get that stuff from? I mean, most people believe that nowadays. And so that's, they think, oh, you don't have to go to church. We are the church. I can have church in my backyard, or the deer stand, golf course. You know, church, it doesn't matter where you go to church. No, it's both. <laughs> like, yes, we are the church of Jesus Christ. But the church is gathered. 
It's something we go to. The New Testament is written to specific congregations under specific church leadership in specific cities. And I don't think many Christians believe that nowadays. I, I was raised in the 90s. And all you ever heard about in the faith, in youth groups, in campus ministries, and conferences, was a personal relationship with Jesus. It's all we ever heard about. It's like every sermon was about that. We're anti-religion. We're about a relationship. It's not about rules. It's about a relationship. And all that's true. But in that, it went so far that people kind of became, started believing that. That Christianity is just kind of solo endeavor. It's just kind of me and God doing our thing, right? And I, I think we're seeing the negative effects of that. that, that Christianity is a communal religion. We are a religion, first of all. Yes, we have a relationship with Jesus, but it's never meant to be a solo endeavor. So we got to bring that back. But keep in mind, there are layers and layers to peel back because we're going decades now of people who really do believe that you can just kind of do church on your own and church doesn't matter. And I'll claim a church that only goes sometimes because, you know, church is about people. It's not about it's not about the church. It's like, no, it's about both, man. And I would even say that the communal side is even more significant than the individual side. I don't mean in terms of personal salvation, but sanctification, discipleship, mission, the expression of that faith. And I think we got to bring it back and we got to talk about it. I, I would do, I, I do sermon series on the significance of the church. I, I tweet every Saturday, Sunday morning church is a Saturday night decision. Like yeah. it makes people have to make the really real decisions. Like, our family's going to go to church. And we got to talk about it, but it's so foreign to people that we got to bring that's, it back. That's one of the reasons I brought that up. I actually was hoping you would you would make that reference because I noticed that on Twitter every Saturday evening. You can guarantee uh, that I mean, Sarah is going to put on Twitter Sunday morning worship is a Saturday night decision. So and, and it really yeah. Is. You, before we go to bed, we're deciding as a family we're going to church tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Like we're gonna go. We're gonna get up on time. We're gonna like we're going. Like yeah. that needs to be a faith that matters. Like you said, we don't know where some of these things came from. I don't know where it, it, where the thought came from that as a Christian, that that is a choice we have to not. I think it's the personal relationship here. stuff. So, yeah. I know it's more to it than that, but I think of that personal relationship thing has a lot to do with it. I'm not trying to say that it doesn't matter, our personal relationship with God. But the scripture doesn't talk about that the entire time. Like, it's, it's not all in the context of you and Jesus singing a song together and just you and him. It's like. That's, that's not the theme of the Bible. I don't know where we got that from. It never even addresses that, quite honestly. I, yeah, I mean. That's our individualistic, yeah. uh, you know, American culture read into Scripture, unfortunately. I'm telling you, every sermon in the 90s was about, it's not about rules, it's about a relationship. It's not about religion. It's about, it's all, it was ever, all our songs were about that, you know, like, draw me close to you, never let me go. <laughs> you know, and all these kind of things, you know, like, it's all we were, it's all it was. So we're seeing well, the effects of it. I'm telling you, we are. You know, it's, it, we are. Absolutely, we are. And I think what you said earlier, Dean, is, is still applicable to the issue that we just addressed, the question that Andy asked you, and that is leaders and pastors, at some point, you've just got to have the courage to speak truth. And you can do it in a way yeah. that's that's graceful and gracious, but I mean, if we don't do it as leaders, what do we expect? I mean, if we never say you need to be committed to your local body of believers and you need to show up and, and, you know, be a part of what God's doing here. If we never set that as expectation, then why do we expect anything different to happen? It's not. Yeah. And if you think they're sick of hearing it, maybe they're starting to get it for the first time. That's exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and and I think that's just important for that to click. 
Right. Yeah. We learn by repetition. Yeah. Well, before we close our time um, in this conversation, which has been even better than we expected. Um, so we need to be on the lookout for a resource because you, right before we hit record a minute ago, you told us about a new book that you've got coming out in May. And uh, so tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, and I, I know I'm pretty intense today, but man, I, I just think we got to get serious about all the things that are going on, you know, because I really believe this stuff. You know, I believe Jesus is exactly what he said he was, you know, and, and so we've got to, so, I mean, this is not anger. This is just like, yo, let's go, you know, kind of thing. I got a book coming out in, on May 6th called um, Getting Over Yourself. And it's about trading me-centered faith, like faith-centered on me for uh, Christ-centered Christianity. And we're, we're happening, I think it's a discipleship crisis right now. Uh, an unsaved Christian, I talked about how this is an evangelism crisis. How a lot of people think that cultural Christianity is a discipleship issue. And I go, no, it's not. It's an evangelism issue. These people are lost, right? This is more of a discipleship conversation. A lot of people who claim the name of Christ and actually, like, I think genuinely do. They have been brought down this trail, this path of this ultra consumer Christianity where all the messages are, I call it a soft prosperity gospel or the new prosperity gospel, where it's not about God dropping a Bentley in your driveway or making your sickness go away because you, you know, clap your hands three times and turn around. Uh, but it's, it's about how God wants your dreams to come true and how your best life is yet to come. And that if you just dream God-sized dreams, he's going to help you maximize your potential like those are the things we're seeing. And many, you talked about young people earlier, a younger generation is enthralled by these kind of Stephen Furtick type kind of people. And they get huge crowds, uh, not because they're reaching people with the gospel necessarily. I think they are some, some people, I don't want to say completely, but they're just providing this easy Christianity that allows you to use God language and make it all about you. You know, all the sermons are about overcoming your fears and being a better you and, 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 you know, and, and chasing after your dream. And it's just really troubling. And I think there's a discipleship crisis coming that we haven't even seen the effects of yet because the first generation really fully eclipsed by it. So it's not just all critique. I'm going to give two thirds of the book as offering something better. Like what really is Christ-centered Christianity and how as Americans we need to reclaim it. So I'm excited about it, man. We're coming out swinging in it too. So I'm excited about it. It's, well, it's on. We, we got to talk about it, man. I can tell you're actually more excited about what we talked about today and even the, that new book. And I think it's spot on. It's needed. You're more excited about those things than you are Tom Brady being in a, another Super Bowl. So it's Hey, cool. let's not get carried away now. Let's not get carried <laughs> away. So, so I mean, th there is a golden statue of Brady that is in our house in the middle. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think it's important for us to have a healthy understanding of our culture, have fun. You know, it's okay to enjoy sports and all those kind of things. But what oh, yeah. God today? gives us great Let's, things to enjoy. Absolutely. This is common grace to us. We're thankful for that. But what we've talked about today, it is just exactly where we are and exactly what we needed to talk about. And uh, I know people who are listening today, it's going to really challenge or even encourage them. And, and I hope our leaders in our local church will see the, the, the crucial message we need to hammer home week after week after week is, is Jesus Christ and him crucified. And uh, we have so many things in our society and our lives that compete for the place that he rightfully deserves in our lives. So we, man, we really appreciate Dean, you coming and talking with us about yeah. all these things today. Man, it's always great to be with Mark and with Soul Patches for Christ uh, ministry. So it's always always good. And I appreciate you guys and what you're trying to do for pastors and churches. So keep it rolling. Oh, that's pretty good. It's going to take me a minute to recover from that. Dean, thank you, man. Thank you. We appreciate it. And uh, thank you guys for listening. 
and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Church Leadership Podcast. Don't forget to share, subscribe, and even review our podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. 